real treats for you in this week's Park Bath bonus episode. You may recall I interviewed Sage from Go Jauntly, the walking app. Well, it's probably not so surprising that they have a walking trail for Crystal Palace Park. So kids, and their big kids, can enjoy the dinosaurs. We do get a lot of feedback as well from our users saying, I've lived in this, yeah, for example, the same as your forest bathing. I've lived in this area for so long. Oh, and I never even knew that this park, this green space existed. Yeah, it's, it's great news like to get community feedback for, for both of us, whether it's they've seen a park completely different or they found just a completely new space to explore. Yeah, it's those secrets. I think we love finding a secret, don't we? Yes. Something, something yeah, very do. childlike and playful about that. And actually, I'd like to ask you, do you have a, dare you, have you got a favourite walk? Are you allowed to have one favourite? Oh, gosh. Um, yeah, because I'm actually from Crystal Palace. So the Crystal Palace walks are my are my favourite local walks as well to do because I can walk to Dulwich and I can also walk to Forest Hill and Sydenham but Crystal Palace Park just especially the dinosaurs we have a dinosaur trail on the app it's just a little bit special oh I totally agree and I saw that one and I think again an absolute natural one to do with children um, yeah. but it's fun what's really nice and I interviewed the dinosaur group um, and one of the things they've seen is yeah kids come along and dinosaurs dinosaurs are cool but actually, it's yeah. the dads and the granddads standing with the kids who go, I quite like dinosaurs, actually. <laughs> and I promise some instructions from Jules Howard, all-round zoologist and pod nerd, on how to create your own watery wonderland in your back garden that will be full of jiggling, wriggling, cool critters for you to seek out. Plus, you'll be supporting your local wildlife by creating a new watery habitat. So that makes you an environmentalist too. And I think what's what's so lovely, and I love the the kind of scheme that you had with, you know, get a bucket, put it in your back garden. Mm. We can do this at home. And I and I think there's something really lovely to, to to have this idea that we can take a little pocket of the park home and and dump it in a bucket. So if we were going to do that and have our own mini pond, either on a balcony or in a back garden. How do we do it? What do we need to do? What are there some are there some oh. simple steps we can just start with? I would say just just to, on one of those points, I think it's really important. First of all, to say obviously you're not talking physically about bringing the water home, but what you can do by adding water nearby is you are, if you like, if you imagine, let's think of it as frogs. So maybe the the lake and the surrounding wetland there su supports maybe about a thousand frogs. If you guys or anyone locally is putting ponds or fresh water in their gardens, those frogs, some of those frogs can come and colonize. So in other words, you can make that, um, that population much larger. And obviously you guys have got your ponds in your gardens. That means those frogs can start breeding there and they can continue their kind of march across South London. So, so to, to, I would say anyone near, near there, it, you know, by putting ponds in there, you're creating this kind of super population. So that's the first thing to say in terms of, yeah, it literally is as simple as that. So I had a, a project out here in our little backyard of, of putting um, like an old sink planter, you know, like a, uh, you know, a, it was not massive, what, two foot by one foot, filling it up with rainwater. And 
watching if you like what colonized it and it was awesome so you know within the first few weeks there was obviously duckweed and things like that started to grow so we think of these as weeds some people do but they're really naturally occurring their seeds are blowing around all over the place and when birds wash they wash the leaves into the water so yeah it started off with that then water bears uh, these tiny microscopic animals i mentioned before and then um rotifers which are unbelievable you know these are basically they're all clones of each other and they're all female they haven't had sex in something like 180,000 years no one's ever found a male and they're just their spores are just blowing around in the wind so when they connect with water the life cycle starts again so that was the, the first interesting stuff so that was within weeks um, and then from that you have things like little tiny weevil beetles obviously different sorts of fly larvae some of them mosquitoes so I think in that as I said two foot by one foot I had a batch of, I think there was about 30 mosquito larvae. And obviously the females, um, you know, the nasties, but, you know, they just fly off and go and rest elsewhere. Uh, and then the males obviously get eaten by bats. So that's kind of cool. And then from that, and it basically culminated like that. And each week I would chart, if you like, all of the newcomers. And within three months, it finished off. The project finished, of course, with the arrival of a frog. <laughs> now, it wasn't their feeding, but it was there in the summer months, as you know, like they have to be in water really when it gets really super hot. So it culminated, if you like, with these frogs. It's actually four in the end, just sort of quietly little, you know, using it as a place to chill. But in the total, it was about 30 different species, loads of water fleas as well. And it was, to me anyway, that was a really wonderful example of how life is out there and it's waiting to colonize somewhere new so you know even if you, it could be that there's animals out there waiting to colonize a wildflower bed or it could be a pond you know the animals are kind of there it's up to us to give them an opportunity a kind of new landing pad i suppose i have one more delight too this is for people who live near crystal palace park or who fancy getting on the overground and coming to visit us it's really worth a day here there's so much going on with the dinosaurs, the guided trails, the cafe, the artwork, and if you come in April, the Speaking Stones project. Lil Stevens from the Natural History Museum gave me a few top tips of plants to look out for around the lake. That way, you will be benefiting from blue health by being around water, boosting your immunity and your mood. All for a great day out. So if our, if our listeners are to walk alongside the lake and go with new eyes looking at the dinosaurs and the planting, are there three really cool things that you could ask them to look out for as they're walking around the lake and maybe, you know, do a signpost that isn't there? <laughs> so I'd have to start with the ferns. I mean, I think, you know, both the ferns on the ground are extraordinary, but um, tree ferns are one of my favourite things just think they're wonderful and I think the kind of I have one at home and every year I I feel into the top of its trunk and I feel that the fronds are developing and and it you know for me it's um you know it's a very special thing that I own and that I feel very responsible for it was already kind of 70 years old when I got it you know it's like a it's a thing that's much older than me and, and every year these beautiful kind of big furry fronds open and turn into gorgeous leaves. And I think, and that happens on the islands and that's a very special time. And that's definitely something that I would 
that I would point out to people. I think um, there's another really interesting plant called Pseudopanax on the island, which it looks like um, it looked like broken umbrellas, and they're from I think they're from Chile, and they their leaves are kind of dark and brown, and it looks like a very dead thing, but actually it's not at all a dead thing. It's a very very interesting um, architectural plant, and those ones are really good to look out for. And, when I was there, someone was saying, how can you tell <laughs> that it's alive? And actually it's alive when it's dark and brown. And um, and, it, and if it's kind of, it goes kind of light and dry, then you can, you know, the, the leaves are dying. So that's a good one to look out for. And then I always think that the, um, this kind of the spring flowers are really extraordinary. And I you know I do love the primroses on the island that have grown there by themselves. And also the hellebores. And I think, you know, if you can kind of peer around and, and find those ones and the marsh marigolds that come out down in the water, and that would kind of, that would take you through, I think, from the Jurassic through, or the Triassic through to the Cretaceous um, in, um, in quite a nice way. If you do come and visit the park, let us know. And if you make a bucket in your garden, send us a picture. We love hearing from you on social media and share this bonus with anyone who might like it. See you next time for our episode on conservation. It is packed full of all the good things happening in the conservation world and lots of tips for you budding environmentalists. So see you then.